0: We have three scripture readings this morning. The Old Testament reading comes from Psalm 102, verses 23 through 28. Then we have the Old Testament responsive reading coming from Psalm 103, 11 through 19, and then the gospel reading from Matthew. Hear the word of the Lord. He has broken my strength in midcourse, He has shortened my days. Oh, my God, I say, take me not away in the midst of my days. You whose years endure throughout all generations. Of old, you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. The children of your servants shall dwell secure. Their offspring shall be established before you. Now, our responsive reading from Psalm 103. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field. When But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him.
1: And his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments.
0: The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Now the gospel reading from Matthew chapter 22, verses 23 through 32. The same day Sadducees came to him, who say there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses said if a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers among us, the first married and died and having no offspring left his wife to his brother. So too, the second and third, down to the seventh, after them all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. But Jesus answered them, you are wrong because you, need, you know neither the scriptures Nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. The word of the Lord.
2: In the mountains where I grew up, older people would say, I don't hear people saying this today, not here, but I did then. Um, Maybe it had to do with the severity of the winters in the mountains, but I would hear older people say at the end of winter, well, I've made it through another winter. They were saying, I've come through the cold, the icy weather. I've come through another se- season of flu viruses and colds. And that was a very real summation by them. It was an existential statement by them. They were, as they were in their 70s and 80s, they were afraid of the hardships of winter and what it would do. We measure our lives the passing of our lives with time, with minutes, with hours, with weeks, with years. I have a friend who was told by his doctors last week that he only had two weeks to live. I you know all of us, most of us, will receive news like that about our own lives at my age, I cannot assume that I will be living on earth in another decade. Celebrating the arrival of a new year takes on another meeting when you get to be that age, doesn't it? The Bible talks about this. Every year at this time, around the first of the year, the Lord's Day at the first of the year, the first Lord's Day in the new year, I read and reread Psalm 90, Psalm 102, Psalm 103. Those Psalms are about the brevity of life and the eternity of God. That's why we're reading from those Psalms this morning. You might be saying, I'm not sure I'm glad I came this morning. I would rather celebrate the arrival in a new year with different thoughts. God has told us that we should number our days. That's a very good thing to do. God told us to do it. Even better, though, is to measure God's days. Let's pray as we come to this theme Our father is your priests, a whole congregation of priests right now bowing before you. We come together and we pray for David Rulin, and we thank you for the wonderful news that we had from his surgery. We thank you that it could be accomplished so quickly, expediently. and now we pray will bring complete healing. Keep him from any complications. Our Father, we pray for Michael Cressman this morning, that you would ease his pain, ease his discomfort. Father, it seems that you are about to take him home, and we pray that you'll cause him to look forward with anticipation to what you've prepared for him. Bless Josephine as she cares for him. Our Father, now as we open your word, we pray. Teach us, Father. Teach us. Tell us a story again. We're your children just asking. In the power of your spirit, we ask that you would speak to us. Change us. Maybe some of us for the first time. And the rest of us continue that change that has begun. John Sartell cannot do that. No man who stands behind this desk can do that. And so we pray together, oh, Father, speak to us. For the glory of Jesus Christ and his gospel. Amen. Who will remember you? We read some sobering words this morning. Among those words were Psalm 103 15 and 16. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, and the wind blows over it, and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. You know, everyone wants to be remembered. We don't want to be forgotten when we're living, we don't want to be forgotten. When we die, the psalmist was forcing the question, who's going to remember you? You're going to die. And the place where you were will remember you no more. Who will remember you 500 years from now? Who will remember you 1,000 years from now? Well, let's back up for a moment. The psalmist in verse 15 and 16, those same two verses, first focuses on the brevity of life. Look at it, verse 15, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone. He's saying life is brief. That's where we want to begin as we address this question, who will remember you? With this point. When the Bible speaks of the span of a person's life on earth, his life is always pictured as being brief. That's what the poet is saying in the first part of Psalm 102. Look at, verse, look at chapter 102, verse 3. For my days vanish like smoke. You, you see smoke rise from a flame and it just it disappears. And then verse 11 my days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass. What's he saying? Life is brief. It's January 1st. There are 358 days left till Christmas. When I was when I was ten, that sounded like an eternity. A year was like 10 years. Now, though, for those of us who are older, we know that next Christmas we'll be here in about six weeks. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I remember when I was 25, I can, I can almost tell you where I was. I remember thinking, and I was 25... It will be another 25 years before I'm 50. That sounded like I had so much time. I had absolutely no concept of how fast my life would pass. I remember when I first learned that adult butterflies only live 14 days. 14 days. I thought that was terrible days later I heard God say through Peter that a thousand years with the Lord is like one day and I realized I was the butterfly look at Psalm 90 verses 3 and 6 you return man to the dust and say now speaking of God He says, God returns man to dust and says, return, O children of man, return to dust, for a thousand years in your sight, or but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed in the evening, and it fades and withers. Peter took that theme. This is repeated several times in Psalms. He took that theme, in First Peter one twenty four said, "All flesh is like grass, and all its glory, all its fame, are like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flowers fall. It's as brief. Life is as brief as grass, and." the glory, the fame, <laughs> it's just soon forgotten. However, it's not just the brevity of life that drives these words that the psalmist, that we read from the psalmist. He also knew that he would be forgotten. The verse ends, at 16th verse, and its place remembers it no more. Who will remember you? So far the scripture is saying, no one. The flower is forgotten and so is the man. Its place remembers it no more. Why has man always sought glory? Always sought fame? Always sought notoriety? Wanted to be known. They want to be remembered. They want to be known so they'll be remembered. You know, it, it, you see it in the darkest of places. What happens in our society when a man kills his wife or a mother kills her children? There will be copycat crimes that follow because of the notoriety of the event. People see the crimes, the details of the crimes and the headlines, They want to be in the headlines. And these hideous crimes are repeated. Why? Simply because their names are in the paper. Some teenager walks into school and starts shooting. It's a big thing. It's all over the news. instant fame. CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox News—they'll be remembered. Maybe <laughs> it's amazing when you think about it. Just, just think about this. Let your mind run with it. And what you see every day in our culture—the Kardashians are known. How are they known? What are they known for? They're known for being known. Kim Kardashian is the ultimate modern celebrity well known for being known. Celebrityism has no ethic. All that matters is that you're known. That's the point. It's not the ethic. In his book, True Heroism, in a World of Celebrity Counterfeits, Dick Kyes writes, Celebrity itself is indifferent to moral character. One can be famous, but still a thoroughly obnoxious, self-centered person. People want to be remembered, regardless of what degradation has brought them fame. Remember the a few years ago the man that did, was took? Tens, hundreds of millions from people. And you could see it in what he says. He took pride that as an embezzler, he was the best. People want to be remembered regardless of what degradation has brought them fame. The last place we see this The last place we see this is in the cemetery. We etch our names in stone so that we will not be forgotten. However, the psalmist knows that he will be forgotten even though he's already famous. David was a household name inside and outside of his country. He was a world figure. Yet he states of himself, he knew He was the most well-known king in the world at that time. And yet he was the one that wrote in his poetry that he would be forgotten. We think some names are immortal. Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth will not be remembered 500 years from now. Neither will John Kennedy, nor the Beatles, nor Jonas Salk, When I wrote that, I said, you know, I wonder, I want to, I'm not going to, though. I wonder how many people in this room know who Jonas Salk was. He'll soon be forgotten. He's already being forgotten. I know my great-grandfather's name, but I don't remember him. My great-great-grandchildren, they will not remember me. Not one. So did the psalmist leave it there? I know, you're, I know some of you are looking at me and saying, why did I come this morning? Just hang on. This is a great, 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 wonderful, wonderful message for us. Did the psalmist just leave it there? Did he just say, we live brief lives and then we're forgotten forever? How did he deal with the brevity of life and life not remembered? The answer is profound. The answer is this. God is eternal and immutable. That's where he goes. Now, I know you're scratching your head and saying, what's that mean? What good is that? Let's look at it. Psalm 102, 23 and 27. He has broken my strength in mid-course. He has shortened my days. Oh, my God, I say... Take me not away in the midst of my days, you whose years endure throughout all generations. Do you see it there? In this psalm, David is at a bad place in his life. He thinks he's dying. He thinks he's going to die. And he prays to the Lord and says, don't take me away in the middle of my days. And where does he go? What is the very next phrase after verse, at the end of verse 24? He said, you whose years endure Throughout all generations. There it is. He's afflicted in the midst of a brief life. He's facing death. And what did he say? He moves immediately to the eternal. To the eternity. And immutability of God. And this continues. Stay with me. Look at verse 25. Of old you laid the foundations of the earth. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish. But you remain. They will wear it out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. All right, let's think through those words. What's the oldest, seemingly most indestructible thing you know, the most ancient thing you know? The universe. And here's the psalmist saying, the universe did not make God. God made the universe. It's not the universe that's eternal. It's not the universe that's indestructible. It is God. There is one eternal, unchangeable God. The cosmos goes from his own brevity to the eternity of God. Now, when we hear theologians speak of God's eternity or God's immutability, we want to yawn. We want to say, I do not want I just don't see any reason for this theological jargon. Folks, the psalmist did not yawn. In fact, when he wrote this, he was in the midst of what he thought was dying. This was so existential to him. Why is this so significant? Why did David think it was so significant? Oh, folks... We sang it this morning. We've already looked at it. Let's look at it again. Psalm 90, verses 1 through 4. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. You have been our dwelling place in all generations. You've been our home in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world. In other words, before you made the universe from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight, are but an evening when it's past as a watch in the night. What's David saying? When a man lays a foundation, when, it, when a man lays the foundation of his house, where does he lay it? He doesn't lay it on something that's transient. He lays it on a rock. A solid foundation it seeks hundreds of feet below the surface. As long as that rock stands, the house is secure. That's why the psalmist went from the brevity of his own life to the eternity and immu- immutability of God. He was saying, God has been and forever will be my dwelling place. That's where I'll build my home. That's where I'll build my life. That's where I'll build my family. We'll sing a hymn in just a few minutes. It's written by a composer named Light. It's a great, great hymn, Abide With Me. One of the verses says, Swift to its close ebbs out life's little day. Earth's joys grow dim. Its glories pass away. Change and decay, and all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. What good is this? Why does he say that? My life may be brief. I may be forgotten by men. But the eternal immutable God will remember me. What then does the psalmist say immediately after he's referenced the eternity and immu- immutability of God? Hang on, just please hang with me. This is huge. In Psalm 102, verse 28, he says this in summation The children of your servants, that means our children, and the children of David, the children of God's people, the children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. David was saying, when I'm gone, when the Lord takes me home, he will be here with my descendants. Why? Because history changes. Nations change. Capitals change. But God doesn't. And he'll still be here. Unchangeable. The cross will always be there. The empty tomb will always be there. The Holy Spirit will always be there. You will remember my children. That's what David is saying. And if God remembers the psalmist's children, it means that God will remember the psalmist. When you leave the scene, God will look at your children and say, there's Henry's child. There's Mary's child. He doesn't do that with the world. This is not for everyone. David was speaking to Israel. God was speaking to Israel. Look at Psalm 103 verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are but, but dust. He remembers how fragile we are. He remembers how brief we are. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like the flower of the field. The wind blows over and it's gone. Its place remembers it no more. God knows that. God knows that. But look at verse 17, what comes exactly next. This is repeated over and over again. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. The place remembers them no more. But God does. God remembers his children. Whether they're off in glory or remaining here. That wonderful verse from Isaiah. Isaiah 49, 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should have no compassion on, her son, on the son of her womb. Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you because I've engraved you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Mothers don't forget their children, but they're not eternal. God says, I've engraved you on my hands. We engrave our names on tombstones, they're not eternal. God engraves our names on his hands, they're eternal. You know, when I was young, I, I never had this thought when I left for school. I never had the thought, well, my parents are gonna lock the door and they're not gonna let me back in. I'm sure some days they wanted to. I never thought, well, they'll up and move while I'm at school. I knew that my parents would love me. Isn't There's a security in that. But even that came to an end. My father died. And he did not know my name the last three years of his life. What, does it, what then does it mean to be remembered by God? Jesus tells us in Matthew 22, perhaps when we read this passage this morning, you thought, what does this encounter with the Sadducees have to do with what we read in the Psalms? It has everything to do with it. We're at the end, but pay close attention. Let's let's close with this powerful, powerful statement by Jesus. The same day the Sadducees, who say there's no resurrection, they not only said there's no resurrection, they said there's no life after death. The same day the Sadducees, who say there's no resurrection, came to him with a question, Teacher, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and have children for him. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died, and since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second, to the third brother, right on down to the seventh. Finally, the woman died. And now then at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven? Since all of them were married to her. Jesus said, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like angels in heaven. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said? I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. People, that's not, you know, we, that phrase is really used, misused, misphrased by Jesus. He's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. We take it to mean, or not we, The world takes it to mean, well, you know, somebody dies. And we we want them to get on with life. And we say, you know, God's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. That that even comes close to what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I was the God of Abraham while he was living on this earth. And I'm still the God of Abraham because he still lives. I'm the God of the living. Abraham. Isaac and Jacob are still alive in glory. Jesus was saying, Sadducees, you don't understand. Is that Abraham is still alive in heaven at this moment? Jesus was saying, though they're dead in your eyes, they're not. They're living. What does this mean to us? It means everything, we will be in glory with Christ when I go to Drapers Valley, Virginia and visit the graves of my parents Preston and Mary Ellen Sartell at that exact moment I stand there I'm not going to let death have the last word I'm going to tell death what God says they're with Christ as I stand there, they're with Christ do you see it? He's not forgotten their names and he never will. And not only that. Their descendants. The God of eternity is with. Their descendants. They're with. You know in spite of me. In spite of my sin. And that carries to the next generation and the next generations as long as there is an effort by the power of the Holy Spirit to faithfulness. So dear people, as we come to a new year, we're not brooding over the brevity of our lives here. We're celebrating the eternity and immutability of God. We're celebrating the destruction of death. We're celebrating already a life with him in glory. We're celebrating his presence with our children, with our grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Oh, this is for good or for ill. God will remember you. That's why I would say to children this morning, to young people this morning, Teenagers this morning, college students this morning. The greatest thing you can do in life is hold on to the God of your parents, to Jesus Christ, the Alpha and the Omega, the forever. Because He won't forget. He won't forget you will say, that's the son of Mary, or that's the daughter of Jack. That's why we come to this table the first Sunday of the new year. We're all dying. In just a few short years, we shall be gone, and the world will forget. The world will not remember. But our names are written on the hands of God Almighty. And they're written in the blood of His own Son. That's what we celebrate this morning when we come to the table. Our hymn is that great hymn I mentioned. As we come to the table, Abide with Me, Fast Falls the Eventide. Hymn number 402.